0: He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Listen, man, this guy's breaking (laughs) barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tucheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
1: Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo and more. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Welcome back. Billy Sherry and Mike DiStefano with you. Michael Grabner will join us in the few, in a few minutes and and we're not going to talk about tonight's game for the next few minutes. We'll we'll get into that with Mark Mathot in about 25, but uh for now, we're we're going to focus on John Tavares and all that he's done for the Maple Leafs, everything he did for the Islanders, even though they will boo him relentlessly for the rest of his, <laughs> his career. Um, he'll play in his 1,000th game on Saturday on Sunday afternoon. Gosh, no Saturday night game is throwing me. It's but Sunday so afternoon versus the Capitals. It's 5 o'clock start, I believe. And that'll be his 1,000th game. Probably good for him, though. His little kids can... can Maybe have a better time. I the I don't really know much about kids and their sleep schedules. To be completely honest with you, Ab, but I figure a five o'clock start might be better for small children, right?
2: I would imagine so. I, I yeah, I, that's a question that I guess producer Steph would have more, more answers <laughs> on than either you or I. But um, I just think like the longevity of his career, like a thousand games, that's that's a really big accomplishment to to do and. You know, not that we didn't expect for a number one overall pick to hit that hit that mark, and especially considering how good of a player he's been. But it's just like what the good what Craig player. always says, "Oh, unbelievable junior player." Yeah, it's but it's what Craig always says. Like he's just a model of consistency. And I thought Darren Dreger actually had a really good point. Uh, if we could play this, grab this uh, clip here, Chris. He was on First Up this morning, and and he was just talking about how, you know, John Tavares probably would be a little bit more celebrated in this market if it wasn't for a salary cap era. Um, Here's what he had to say on on JT.
0: He's been among, you know, William Nylander, rightfully so, is is getting a a ton of credit because he's producing, and he looks like a different player than what we've seen um, to this stage of his career. For me... Beyond that, you know, the numbers that Miner has put up in the records and and all of that, you have to consider John Tavares and his level of consistency. So to to look back over his career and say it's impressive, yeah, I think that's an understatement. You know, if if it weren't for the salary cap, John Tavares would be celebrated as a Maple Leaf, in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly, in, because of everything that he does, everything that he brings, he's not a big time rah rah guy externally. You know, not sure how he is in the dressing room. I assume he's relatively quiet, but when he speaks, guys will pay attention. Um, but he, he, you know, he's he's given the Toronto Maple Leafs and before that the New York Islanders everything he has, and you can't ask for more of a player.
1: No. John Tavares is, has been an exemplary captain since the moment it was uh, the sea was put on his jersey in Toronto, and and even before that, he he exhibited like just such a quiet leadership that that maybe I didn't fully appreciate enough when he first got here because I I personally like a loud, rah-rah captain that's going to fire up the guys between periods and and I don't know like, like the way like Jacob Trouba had on the
2: other side something like oh, that nice like game. I'm thinking of
1: that absolute snap show that. Jacob truba had when the Rangers were in a little bit of a schneid there, and and they've kind of turned it around since. He had that very public snap on the ice. It's just not John Tavares' style. And and the more like I've grown up and I've had time to think about John Tavares as the captain of the Maple Leafs, maybe it was the best call in this market in a market that that doesn't like when Jacob truba did that. It it created. What are you laughing at me for?
2: Because I I find it funny. What's your favorite saying? When something works, it looks genius, right? So, Jacob Trube has a snap show on the ice and it changes the course of the game. I'm into snap leaving.
1: shows. Like, I, I don't, I'm into emotional play. Like, sometimes and I'd prefer to see more of it out of the leaf. I, J- I didn't hate the snap
2: show. Well, hold on, hold on. But then JT Miller has a snap show on the ice and everybody crucifies the so guy. So, I Cause actually, it didn't work. Cause it no. didn't work.
1: I don't I I have not I the one the one snap show that I think wasn't cool from JT Miller was the one where he was really selling that goalie out to dry it, it, yeah. it wasn't who was in net that, that night I forget All who it was in
2: Delhi, I think. It we was not think cool
1: it. that was yeah. not cool but but the yelling at the bench like I don't know if I was on that Vancouver Canucks team I'd probably be having a meltdown so I can't I I honestly haven't been on team crucify JT Miller aside from that one Incident with the goalie. Anyways, but the the more I kind of understand this market, the more I understand this team. I, I think that John Tavares like there wasn't a better choice for captain. I, when it first happened, I was thinking Austin Matthews, and and now I think that yeah, it probably is Austin Mish's team, maybe a little bit more than it is John Tavares's. But I think he just like keeps an even keeledness that that emotional. A little bit younger group, even though they're not technically youngsters in the NHL anymore, but they are a little bit younger. They haven't been there. It just provides such a calming presence that I think is really good for them.
2: Yeah, I'm curious, Julia, if, if, like, have your feelings changed about Tavares through the duration of his time as a Maple Leaf, like when he signed here to, to present day?
1: Well, I think it's gone through like an evolution. Ab had that one incredible season when he came here, when everyone, when him and Mitch Marner had that magic going, he put up a ton of points like that. Nobody was crying about the cap hit then; it was a slam dunk, and, and everybody was was singing that move's praises. And then it started to sour a little bit. Uh, no, you don't think so?
2: I, well, I, I think there was a there was a split. I I think they're truly. I mean. Who was it, um, Gord Miller? The very first thing that he said was, "That cap hit's going to be interesting."
1: Yeah, and it was. And, it, and there
2: was a lot of people that echoed that. It was like, "Yeah, it's true. That's going to be a lot of money." Because then you got Matthews, l- Marner, Nealander. Yeah, and that's that's where it's like, uh, has he ever lived up to that? So I, I find it interesting John Tavares's time as a Maple Leaf because it has always been linked to his cap number and his cap hit from. From day one, since the moment he signed in Toronto,
1: yeah, yeah, but I feel for him in that regard. I don't feel for him for making 11 Schmel. I feel for myself for not making 11 Schmel, but but I do feel for him that uh, it feels like his his legacy, not his legacy, but his his uh, maybe the way people receive him in Toronto is always going to be tied to that to that cap hit. Yeah. Anyways, uh, John Tavares. A thousand games on on Sunday afternoon versus the Washington Capitals. So we thought it'd be a good time to bring in a former teammate of his and a former Maple Leaf, Michael Grabner. Michael, how's it going?
3: Hey, how are you guys doing? Thanks for having me.
1: Good. Thanks for coming yeah. on. We we were tipped off that you've been uh very passionately coaching some minor hockey recently. Can you can you confirm?
3: <laughs> uh yeah, just our team I've been coaching since this year, so that's why my voice is a little bit in one here, so I'm not used to yelling that much on the ice and trying to control that many kids, so still <laughs> a lot of learning progress, but it's been fun, so.
1: Did, have you gained an appreciation for your coaches since since trying to step in?
3: Yeah, it's definitely a lot of work, uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff and trying to figure stuff out, what to do, so it's definitely different uh, way of looking at hockey, SNK. Stuff that I think about now, I never really thought about, like, while playing. So it kind of gives you a different perspective about the game. And, yeah, like I said, it's been a lot of fun and trying to get to know the kids and trying to figure out ways to motivate the different personalities and stuff. So it's it's been a challenge, but it's been a lot of fun.
2: We'll chat with Michael Grabner, longtime NHL forward and former teammate of John Tavares who plays in his 999th game tonight but then game 1000 Sunday against the Capitals. You played five seasons with him in New York. Uh, what did you appreciate most about uh, Tavares' game?
3: Um yeah, we got uh, got to Long Island I like, guess at the same time like young kids, so he was a quieter guy back then, but obviously you knew he had a lot of talent uh think his work ethic probably is one of the things that stuck out the most. Uh For maybe every summer he went home and worked on a different skill, like one year was shooting and skating, and you could just see how much time and effort he put in, and every time he showed up to camp, it seemed like whatever he set his mind to was that much better and improved, and um obviously that translated into the game. So I think just the way he handled himself from a young age on uh is always like, a professional, that's why he's obviously had that much success and been in the league for that long and a star player. So, again, uh, it's probably a work ethic and just the determination he puts into hockey. And obviously, he's a great teammate, I think. Uh, I'm not gonna hear that many bad things about him. So, yeah, I enjoyed my time with him. He was my neighbor for a little bit on Long Island. Um, so yeah, he's a great guy, and I still try to keep up with some of the guys that I play with, how they're doing, and uh, he's obviously one of them.
1: We hear a lot about his his nutrition and his fitness habits. I remember Mitch Marner saying if he could take anything from one teammate, it was John Tavares' diet. Has he always been a, a health and fitness guy?
3: Um, probably yeah. Like he he knows his body pretty well, I think. So like, I can eat like a chocolate cake and not gain a pound. So you know, like everyone's different. I think he just. What a
1: flash! Figured,
3: bo- figured out his body and like, was <laughs> conscious about, like, what he's putting into it, right? Like, and was smart about it where I had to leave it. I could really eat much more stuff than the most people and still don't really affect my body that much. So I think he just, like I said, studied his body, studied nutrition a lot, like, a lot, and see what works and what didn't work for him. And um, that definitely helps you on the ice, right, when you know kind of what makes your body be faster or, like, helps you get more energy. So, like I said, he tried to figure out ways, not just hockey skills, like, any way he can get an advantage, right, that would help him on the ice. So, like, he's really smart about that.
2: Uh, I'm curious what makes him a good captain, Michael, because, you know, you spent a lot of time with him, and, you know, you watched my guest guess, grow and evolve, and there is – I don't know, maybe you could tell me if this is true or not, but there's this thought process in Toronto how he's not the most vocal captain, maybe not the most vocal guy in the room, but still highly respected as the captain of this organization. I mean, I guess you spent time in a few different organizations. Do you think that someone has to be vocal to be a captain, or is there other ways that they can show and lead a team um, and still be a good captain?
3: Yeah, I think that goes back what we just talked about, right? Like, I don't think he was really quiet back, in Long Island too, when he came in the league and stuff. So, and, but again, like I just explained like his dedication and the the determination and what he does and how he does it every day. Right. Like I said, it's not just like, Oh, I'm doing it for a week and then two weeks. So you just see how much thought he puts in everything. And I think that's make, it's part of being a good captain, right? Showing up every day, doing the same stuff, being prepared, being as prepared as possible. And he definitely amplifies those traits. Right. so, um, for me, like I said, he's not the most vocal guy, but he when he did speak, people would listen, right? Because then it would mean like either we played like crap, or you know what I mean, or or it's something that really needs to be said. So a lot of times he's more of a captain that leads by, by example and by what he does on a daily basis. I think that's why guys appreciate that are around him what he brings every day and what he does every day. So.
1: He's a little bit of a mystery off the ice. He's kind of like a Crosby type in that we, we know his ethic uh, at, at the arena, and he, he's a real hockey guy through and through. What's something about John Tavares we might not know or might not expect of him?
3: I don't know. Like I said, like, I, he was. I don't know how he is now, right? Like we all changed. I know he has a yeah. we, we heard he's a big can't, karaoke can't. guy. <laughs> okay, maybe yeah, like I said, like I've played with him so long ago that like he was like sing or, or like had a girlfriend, like no kids, like obviously they might have changed now, right? So right. um karaoke, I haven't heard him sing yet, but I'm definitely not a karaoke guy, so I don't know <laughs> if you would find us in the same place. So. but again, like I said, it's like he was back then we were like a young team. I don't know if there was anything surprising. Like I said, he keeps to himself, he just shows up, does his job. Back then, we played a lot of Call of Duty. He was a terrible Xbox player, but he still <laughs> jumped on every every night after games with us. So we had some good times, but he's definitely, his mind is only on hockey. And like I said, that's why he's been having the success that he has had in his career.
2: Yeah, there was a, a piece that was put out in The Athletic earlier this week by one of our local writers, and apparently he's not a very good cards player either. Apparently he's very slow and methodical when it's playing cards. So I would imagine that Call of Duty probably wouldn't be too <laughs> great at that either, knowing you always have to have your head on a swivel knowing that one. So that, that probably checks out. Um, yeah. chi- Go ahead.
3: Uh, no, so, yeah, that's true. Like We play cards too. Like I said, he's a really good hockey player. Some of the other stuff, he can still probably use some work on it. But again, when you dedicate that much time to one craft, right, it's going to be tough to be good at a lot of other things.
2: Yeah, exactly. We're chatting with Michael Grabner, long-time NHLer, former teammate of uh, John Tavares, and former Maple Leaf here in Toronto as well. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on on some comments that we heard earlier from Commissioner Gary Bettman this week. Talk about how he doesn't believe that tanking exists in the NHL. You were part of the Leafs team back in 2015-16. They finished last in, in the league and ended up getting Austin Matthews. And I think we, we refer to it as a, a dignified tank in the media. I think we, we all know that players and coaches, you know, they don't tank. They're going out there to try to win the games. But, you know, what was that season like for you here in Toronto? Like, what was the mindset around the organization that year? Do you uh, recall?
3: Yeah, I do. Um... It was obviously they set the expectations, right, like, that we're going to be struggling that year to the fans. So the fans, I thought, was great, right? Like, again, I played there for one year, and the media was kind of laying off us because of the expectations that were set, right? Like, with yeah. the, roster that we did, the roster that we did have, like, right? Like, for me. But, again, like, to your point, like, you're still trying to make the playoffs. As a player, you never think about, like, oh, it doesn't matter, right? Or coaches. Um, maybe you can tell by decisions that are made uh, about roster moves and stuff like along the year to see if uh, management is kind of which way they're leaning, you know what I mean? But as a player, again, like I showed up to every game, every every practice really the same way. You don't really think. You, every time you step on the ice, you just your only goal is really to win that game, right? And uh, I think that's, that's really what makes out any competitor. You're not really stepping on the ice trying to, like, not care. So once you start hit the ice, everything else goes out the window for players and coaches and your goal is to win that game. So I've been in, I've been on some weaker teams in my career, but the feeling that like, oh, let's just lose, that wasn't really ever part of it in the locker room. So again, yeah, management and stuff is obviously different stories. Again, what they do or who they move up and down or whatever happens that I can really speak to that. Obviously, you can make your own picture when you're watching it, right? So,
2: well, we, we, we uh, chat frequently. Works with us here at TSM. One of your teammates that year, Frankie Corrado, and he says that uh, he always takes pride in that season because he helped Toronto get Austin Matthews. So. Right, he was part so of it. Guys,
3: <laughs>
2: so you guys yeah, could take probably, pride.
3: I'm probably my worst shooting percentage in my career too. So I'll take some credit for all the breakaways that I missed in that year. Oh yeah, I don't even. I, I don't think I'm. I don't think I got double digit goals in that year. So I was. Uh, I had a tough year. That one.
2: Yeah, let's, 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 actually, I do remember that. It seemed like you, well, you were just such a fast player. It seemed like you literally had two or three breakaways a year. You had nine goals that season through eighty game. So on behalf of Leafs Nation, thank you. Thank you for Austin Matthews, I suppose, Grabs. Um, yeah, you I, th- also,
3: I, th- I think they gave me broken stick, so that's what the tank was. Ah, you know, uh, that's I it. know, because uh, that was a rough year. Again, I still had a great time, obviously, getting to play yeah. for a franchise like the Leafs, right? So, again, we still enjoyed and took pride in going out and wearing their sweater. So, again, I was fortunate enough to be able to play for the Leafs for a year. So that was fun.
2: Absolutely. Well, I uh, really appreciate taking the time to, to join us. And, uh, hey, good luck with uh, you and, and, and the coaching of the children. And, I mean, hopefully your, your throat you, – you, you can build up a tolerance, I guess, to the yelling over the time.
1: Just kick the garbage yeah, can really instead; it's at... way more effective.
3: Yeah, I don't really <laughs> yell in anger, though. I yell in like trying to help them, like yeah, so. It's like it's like <laughs> oh, not mean good. yelling, but I'm just yeah. not used to yelling in general. So, all right,
2: absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully, we can chat again down the road.
3: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. All right, you as
2: well. There he goes, Michael Grabner. Longtime NHLer with uh, the Islanders, Canucks, Arizona, played under Tocket. Teammate of Tavares, teammate of our guy Frankie Corrado, and uh, a big reason why the Maple Leafs have Austin Matthews. Missed all those breakaways because Thank they gave him a broken him. stick. They gave him a broken stick. That, that's the only explanation.
1: Yes, it I is. Mean, he
2: was unbelievable. I remember the year him and Tavares played together, like early, his first year in New York 34 yeah. goals. 34 goals um, playing alongside JT. So, uh, And he turned that into a 640 game career, had 175 in his career. Really? Yeah, four time 20 goal scorer, and then came to Toronto, only nine goals. It's got to be the sticks. It's got to be. Yep. All right, Sounds on like the other side, <laughs> that's the only thing. Uh, we'll be joined by Mark Mathant, the Bleep Disturber, in the Battle of Ontario former NHL defenseman and Sens analyst. He joins us next. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You'll listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN
0: 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here.
2: The Leafs live
1: here. Welcome into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tescheri and Mike DeStefano with you. The Leafs have the Sens tonight at home. They're wearing their flip side. Justin Bieber uh, jerseys tonight, which should be very entertaining. We're going to have Mark Mathot join us in a moment. A uh, former NHL defenseman and current Sens analyst, AB. I've seen some, uh, some mixed reviews on the flip side jerseys, but we're fans, aren't we? Do you like them? uh ab what a foul
2: malfunctioned. i got mute malfunction there um i like them yeah i do I, i actually really like the jerseys the the black you can flip them inside and out and i see a lot like when i'm down at the games there's a lot of kids who have these jerseys so they're definitely a hit with like the younger generation which really that's all that i mean that's that's what they're trying to do right like it appeals to the younger kids i would say um you know more like I don't think that, you know, your Uncle Craig or my Uncle Chris are really rocking out to Justin Bieber anyway. Right. No. So I, I think it it makes sense. That I like him. I like uh I like the, the look of him. I don't know about Mathon thinks, but
1: I can understand the purists not liking the, the Leafs jersey in black. It's it's the blue and white, so I understand it. Uh but he's on the line now. One of the one of the three horsemen of trolling Maple Leafs fans online, Mark Mathon, joins us. What's up, Mark? How's it going?
4: that's a that's a heck of an intro, Julia. Thank you for that. Uh,
1: thank you any day of the week It's you jesse and and Pete Blackburn are my three faves when it comes to when it comes to trolling. Also, I have to tell you this if floating around in our group chat this morning a, a the sweetest photo I've ever seen of a young blonde Mark Mathot London knight skating around with the memorial cup blonde oh. flow Mark, what a pick did you, did,
3: you, did
4: you say was it actual footage?
1: No, it was that photo that that Ross tweeted from the lockdown since oh, so what yeah, a yeah, good yeah.
4: photo! Yeah, um, that was uh, that was tough. I mean, we can move on from that
1: too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. This is the first question I want to ask you because I love your rants from from Winnipeg, Manitoba to anything else that gets your goat. Well, what's on your mind today, Mark? What's What's bothering you today? <sighs>
4: well, well, for those, for those who have no idea what you're referring to with regards to the Winnipeg thing, I've been told to kind of stay off that for a little bit. So okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm going we'll leave Winnipeg away, alone today. I was, I was hypercritical of the Fairmont Hotel in Winnipeg, the dump. Um, and <laughs> I called it, I called it, and uh, it's safe to say people, well, I guess the native, like, you know, Winnipeg natives are very proud of their city, and I understandably so. And um, so that's a no-fly zone now. I gotta. I have to move on.
1: Okay. Fair enough.
2: We got the we got the Battle of Ontario tonight though, Mark. Leafs and Sens. And I I'm curious to get your thoughts. I remember listening to you on Overdrive earlier this year actually, and you're were, you were carving up the Maple Leafs blue line a little bit. But since yep. then, they've had some injuries and some adversity and they've dealt with those, and I think that, you know, some younger players have elevated their game. I'm curious if you've come around to, you know, this Leafs blue line uh, over the course of the last couple of months here.
4: Yeah, I, I... And, 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 saying that I was super critical might be a little bit of a stretch, but, but that was a concern for sure. Like if I was looking at the body of work, um, of the Leafs going into the season, then that was probably one area. And it's hard to nitpick, which is a good thing, right? Like it's hard to cherry pick exactly what I thought was a weakness. I mean, goaltending was obviously a question mark as well. That has been a surprise to me, at least. And, um, no, I, I think they've been good back there. I mean, you're, you're not looking for anybody to reinvent the wheel i think when you look at the, the the pairings that toronto has now and i mean maybe a little bit of lack of scoring in some areas you know morgan riley's had his you know ups and downs as well but i think overall when i look at the team and when i look at you know where they're at in the standings and how they've been playing lately forgetting about the austin matthews injury i'm sure you've all spoken about that at nauseum so i won't get into it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah
4: i mean you're sitting in second place in the atlantic in a good spot. I think right now for Toronto, it's just that storm, relying on your team depth. The decor's been just fine. I don't really think I have anything negative to say there, and I'm not in a position to compare them to Ottawa right now. I can tear apart that Ottawa decor, but Toronto's been just fine, and I think they're right where I thought they would be. I, if anything, I thought probably at first, Boston's been a huge surprise for me, and I think many others, but um, no, Toronto's fine. They're going to be in a good spot right now. I think just managing... The absence now of Matthews is great as far as, you know, the timing goes because you've got a couple breaks now, I think, between the All-Star break and I believe you guys have an, a bye week as well coming up. So yeah. timing-wise, it's good. It's never a good sign when you go in for a picture. And when I say picture, of course, I'm talking about the MRI. That's usually kind of unsettling. Not that I'm trying to poke fear here, but um, I think assuming that those images come back negative, and he, he's out for a few weeks, and that's probably going to be the great news that everyone's hoping for. But otherwise, I would be a little concerned.
1: Wait a second. You, you're not surprised by where the Leafs are at? Aren't the Sens supposed to be, like, putting, pulling ahead of the Leafs in the standings yeah. right now? And,
4: and, and I'll take
1: my <laughs> luck. Listen,
4: I had, I had my qualms with, with the team in the summer. I'm talking about Ottawa as far as what they needed to address. And the big, the big one for me was on defense. Uh, you know, like, the, the, the top four on the back end is suspect uh, best. Got Thomas Shabbat and Jake Sanderson, the two horses on the left side. But then you don't really have any other legitimate top fours other than Artem Zub, who has been injured quite a bit this year. So they've been pretty banged up back there and and not deep enough. I mean I mean they're not even they're not ready. They're not there yet. And I could admit that. And that mix that in with lack of scoring. I mean, it's such a weird thing here going on in Ottawa where they're sixth in shots on goal in the league. They're fifth in shot attempts, seventh in scoring chances, but they 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 can't convert five on five, and that's been the big issue. And you'll you'll see that tonight in the game where they're getting plenty of opportunities, they're just not burying them. That's you know a lot of players, you know Alex DeBrincat, Drake Batherson, some of the other guys have been snake bitten a little bit, and it's starting to give them fits. But I mean, I, I wanted nothing more than to come on here today and talk a lot of smack. But right now with the way Otto is playing, I just can't, like, no one will take me seriously if I care a strip off of the Maple Leafs. So I have to be very careful there. But, I mean, I thought Otto was, was going to be ahead for sure, um, or at least right in that conversation, and, and they're not. And I don't even know that I can put them in that conversation next year unless they make some drastic
3: changes.
1: Okay, maybe I can tee you up to talk a little smack, actually, Mark, because Mike McKenna, okay. right after that win uh, over the Rangers earlier this week, pointed out this one instance where Timothy Lilligren got buried from behind, and oh, uh, yeah. M- Marner gave him a little bit of a hug, and it created some discourse about playing soft, and, and Luke Gazdick chimed in on it as well and kind of had the yeah. same sentiment that there's a lot of buddy-buddiness going on in the NHL. you think that's Leaf specific? Because Gazdick kind of framed it more as like, it's just kind of the way that the NHL is going.
4: Right. And I will, I remember the play. I saw McKenna's piece. I saw the, um, the response that he received, uh, yeah. afterwards <laughs> and understandably <laughs> so, but I, I, I will be honest. Uh, I didn't like the play. I certainly didn't like the hit. The one thing I'll say, and I never advocate for fighting cause I was not a fighter. You know, I, I got into fights, but I was by no means a tough guy. So let's just, let's just air that out first before people start questioning my angle. But I just wanted to see something, and you mentioned the little the little dance partner. I think Marner went in there. Which, by the way, I don't expect Mitch Marner to do much either. Yeah. But with Marner, like like with with even if you're a skilled guy, just go in there and cross check some guy or push him around. It looked exactly like he them. was
1: trying to get behind a girl at the bar. Did, like you know it when looked he did, it looked exactly like that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> like, it didn't. You're bang on, and 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 it didn't look good. And and people will say, well, what's the point? Like, why would you like? It doesn't. What's the big What's the big deal? And in theory, that would make sense. But in hockey, I'm thinking long game, bringing your teammates together, knowing that you've got each other's back. So if you're a and you just got folded like a lawn chair into the wall, you would hope that somebody would come and get your back. And that's sort of the angle that I'm looking at. Like, So there were plenty of times, right, to even fight a guy or maybe push and shove a little bit, but it just shows like you've got your teammates back. sounds silly, but it's a contact sport, and that's just part of the hockey. So – I don't know how you adjust other than what I just said. Just, I'd like to see some teammates get in there and show a little bit, but I'm sure they're still a tight group, and they're probably laughing about all the the, the, the pushback on that specific play in the, in, the, in, the, in the room. But I think that is one area that I would agree with with Mike McKenna. I played with him. He's a great dude, pretty spot on there. I think you just as a coach or, or, or a, a fan, you just want to see some sort of response, show a little emotion. It always looks good.
2: Well, I think it, it, it just brings up another point where you look at the team and, and sometimes, and I think you can look back at the Rangers game that they played the other night, they got leaned yeah. on a little bit. And, you know, the term heavy hockey gets thrown around a lot, and that's the way that it's in the playoffs. I would probably classify, you know, the Senators as a team that likes to lean on guys and play a little bit more of a physical game. And just yeah. looking at the last couple of seasons, their last eight meetings, six of the eight have been one-goal games, despite there being a massive talent discrepancy between these two teams. I mean, is, is, is the way to kind of beat Toronto is to play that way? And, and, you know, would you expect for more of the same to be tonight? And is that a problem for Toronto going forward?
4: I, I think, well, I think that's been part of Toronto's problem for the past couple seasons. And, and again, you know, there, there, there's all kinds of different variables that kind of get thrown into that mix. It's not just one thing. But, yeah, I, I think, I mean, you mentioned it right there. When you, when you play in the postseason, it's a different game. Even today. You know, it's not just an old school train of thought. It's, it applies to today as well, where the hockey is just heavier. Everyone's doing their homework on your top guys. People are aware of obviously Matthews and Marner and company, and they're going to lean that much harder on them. So that's when, you know, having a response, whether it be any of your role players, I don't talk about fighting. I'm just saying having some high energy guys that can go right back out there, respond, lay some big heads, get physical, get in the opponent's goaltender's face, you know, whatever it is. There's a lot of different mind games that are going on during the postseason, right? It's, it's There's a lot of stuff. It's, it's fluid. It's happening every night. Everyone's talking about it. And that can put a lot of pressure on your team when you don't have that element in your lineup. Uh, but, I mean, to put a ton of emphasis on it would be a little disingenuous. Obviously, I was a physical hockey player. It's the way I played. So I'm not going to come on here like some dinosaur advocating for toughness and all that stuff. But I do think if you were to critique one area, specifically in Toronto, with regards to playing that style of play, that would be it. It's the lack of physical response that you're getting out of the group. And I think that's what Mike McKenna was touching on with regards to that one play. It's one harmless play, you know, when, you know, at face value when you're watching it, but you know, it, it kind of encompasses a bigger picture moving forward. And it's like, is this team, can this team respond to that type of play? And it's heavy hockey in the postseason. It's not fun. And that's an area that I think Toronto has to kind of get over. Cause you mentioned it right there with, with the talent discrepancy between them and Ottawa. It's not even close, right? But Ottawa manages to give them fits because they can they can kind of play that way if they need to. So I would leave it at that.
1: Yeah, I know we don't want to focus on it too much, but th- yeah. like they're going to get Boston or Tampa in the playoffs, don't they? Have to when when you're going to get one of those two murderers' road you, teams? You have to. It's only, yeah.
4: and, and and when you even with Tampa, Tampa's a great example. It, it's not like they've got a they don't have a bunch of meatheads back there that are running around. But even Rolt, even uh, their their high end guys, even Kucherov.
1: Yeah. has a yeah. bit of
4: you know fire under him, right? Like when there's a player, he doesn't like the way someone hit him, he'll give the guy a whack or he'll push him or whatever it is. That's kind of what I'm talking about. You never have to fight. It's just showing a little emotion, showing a little pushback because I can tell you, when I played and I was standing at net front and I gave a guy a shot and he gave me a shot back, it made me think twice the next time I was standing beside him. And it didn't matter if it was John Taveras or uh, Luke Gazdek, right? Like it didn't matter who it was. So, that's sort of what I'm talking about. It's playing with a little bit more of a chip on your shoulder, and you can't just, you can't just turn that on. But I think Toronto does have that ability. It's just, again, it's it comes from within. It's, it's that culture built in the locker room. and um, I mean, the, the deadline's looming, so there's an, always an opportunity to find it. But uh, I still think they're going to be in a good spot. I'm not trying to put too much panic in the fan base right now.
2: We're chatting with Mark Mathot, uh, former NHLer, sends analyst in. Former Senator Matt Murray will be making the start tonight. The projected starter. We'll wait and see if he ends up playing the you know, starting the game. We know what happened last time.
1: Oh, my God. You're such a hater. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an unnecessary, it's such such an unnecessary comment. Like, You've made it like four times. <laughs> I know. It's, it's
2: very unnecessary for me. But Matt Murray starting tonight uh, against yeah. a team that traded him away. And, like, if you want to look at it in, in one angle, they're still they're paying him to play against him tonight. Like how much motivation is there for a guy like Murray tonight to go in and play the senators?
4: No, oh, man, I, that's a tough, that's always a tough one because it, it really depends on the individual, right? Some people, some players just don't like it because you're playing against former teammates that you've, you know, you, you've developed relationships with and it's, it's unpleasant. I feel like it's probably different for a goaltender, right? Cause you're not actually engaging physically against other players. You're not pushing or hitting or whatever it might be. So, you know, for Murray, it was it was a tough it was a tough stint for him in Ottawa. It just was, and I don't think that's that's not a hot take by any means. If you just look at his goals against average in his time, and a lot of that was also attributed to what was in front of him. We had a terrible decor here in Ottawa. You could still make an argument that it's not great, but um, I guess you could call it a bit of a revenge game, maybe. But then on the other hand, you guys just said it. There were still Ottawa still paying him, so you know it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic. Um, I've heard, you know, nothing but good things. I know he's a good dude, and he keeps to himself. He's fairly quiet, and he's had a little bit more success so far this year splitting games with Samson off. So, you know, I, I, for me, it's it's pretty straightforward. I think he probably just wants to start off well, right, get a good feel for the puck. If you're Matt Murray, have a good, solid first 10 minutes of that game, get some shots on net, feel the puck, kind of get that confidence back, get the jitters out, and then he'll probably settle in, and that's typically what happens for everybody. It's those first few shifts, and in his case, the first couple minutes standing there between, you know, between the pipes, and so it'll be a challenge. And I know Ottawa's going to be heavily motivated, but it's funny. I always say this: it's it's such a weird dynamic playing against the Maple Leafs in Ottawa because having played against them plenty of times when I was with the Senators, one of the things that I always hated about playing in Ottawa against Toronto was telling each other in the dressing room before the game, "Okay, guys, let's get them out of the game early. Let's get the fans out of the game early." quiet them down like that's not typically something you would say at home so that's another challenge that Ottawa faces tonight is usually a pretty hostile crowd in their own building which isn't a whole lot of fun
1: no that's not fun Matt Murray gets back in tonight first time since he got yanked in that Florida game so should be interesting in form yeah. versus former team uh Ridley Gregg made his NHL debut earlier this week picked up an assist eight shots what do you think of his debut
0: He was great. Uh, My only
4: concern now, it would be, you know, does the adrenaline wear off a little bit after that first game? Because I can vaguely remember my first NHL game and most of it was a blur, but I had a really solid night, right? So for him, I mean, obviously a different animal. He's a first round draft pick, far better player than I was. And I can full on say that, but he was really good. And what I'm looking for him right now, and we're talking about, you know, the battle of Ontario, a little bit of a rivalry there, even if it hasn't really sparked much this year being that they haven't played, and Otto is obviously in the basement. But a player like Greg can get under your skin. He's a bit of a pest, but he can also play. Like He can also make plays. He can score goals. Um, He's got a nice little skill set that I think goes underrated a little bit. It flies under the radar being he is such a pest out there when he wants to be. So, you know, he he made some great defensive plays, too. He's reliable, and they have him slotted uh, between uh, Alex Dobrynkin and Claude Giroux. Giroux, obviously, is childhood hero that he looked up to as a player so he's he's a motivated guy so he's another fun player that i think a lot of us will be looking out for here tonight especially and i know they're playing montreal a couple times another rivalry for ottawa so having a player like him in your lineup and the compete level that he brings uh will will, will be very beneficial for the ottawa center it's
2: funny too. i just realized it's back-to-back games where the Maple Leafs are taking on guys from the gold medal team from canada they had Will Cooley the other night. Now they got Ridley Gray oh, right uh, coming in tonight. So, yeah, it's kind of cool for, for those yeah. who are following the World Junior Championships. Um, I, I want to, you know, big picture in Ottawa. You know, I, there was a lot of expectations, obviously, coming into the year for them to take that next step. It was the summer of Dorian. Everyone was excited about uh, bringing in Giroud, Debrinkat. But things obviously haven't gone as planned. Is there, like, are, are him or DJ Smith, like, is there a hot seat on either of these two
4: right now, you think? Well, I mean, I mean, yes. I mean, you'd be a fool to think otherwise. I mean, any time a team's not gaining any success, especially after a pretty big summer where you brought in a bunch of legitimate acquisitions as far as forwards go, and um, they certainly made a nice little splash with that. You know, Gabrink a 40-goal score, and then, of course, with Claude Giroux, and, and then a few others. But, you know, I, I think for me, if yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly going to be on the hot seat, and, and I'm sure they are fully aware of that. Everybody in Ottawa is fully aware of it. There's a little bit of a... You know, a bit of a it gets complicated with the ownership situation that's going on now too, so I don't know how many moves are allowed to to get made until that gets settled. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it hasn't gone their way this year, and there there were still some glaring holes as I mentioned earlier there uh, on the back end and in net and there um, a lot of inconsistent play up front. So it's just been between that and all the injuries that I'm sure you guys well I, Toronto's dealt with a ton of injuries too. I know the decor on that back end yeah. has taken a beating. So it's, you know, this isn't uncommon. All the teams deal with this. And, you know, to, to use that as a crutch or an excuse, I mean, it doesn't do you any favors. You have to deal with it just like every other team deals with it. And with Ottawa, the, the, the major thing has just been point production and goals, right? There just hasn't been enough goals, um, not enough converting on big chances, and, and it's really bit them. And then, of course, the inconsistencies on the back end. So, yeah, Coach D.J. Smith is absolutely on the hot seat. And if they can figure out a way to turn this around and end it on a positive, great. I just don't see the team changing a whole lot between now and next season. Uh,
1: just before we let you go, Mark, I, I have to ask this because I feel like <laughs> is Claire Hannah and her contagious joy and positivity like subconsciously rubbing off on you at all? Because I feel like it'd be difficult to hang out with her on a day to day basis and not have. Yesterday, she tweets. For those of you that don't follow Claire Hannah on Twitter, she tweets unpopular opinion. I enjoy shoveling snow. Like, I've never met anyone in my life Ew. with a better outlook than Claire Hanna, just the most positive person alive.
4: Oh, my she, God. She, she, ne- she never has a bad day. So no! we're doing all the home games, and we're in the booth up there. Obviously, Claire and I are going back and forth. She is unbelievable, like, fantastic person to work with. Always positive. She'll bring in baked goods occasionally. Like Oh, my stupid, God.
1: Yes. I didn't know the baked goods. True.
4: It's It's incredible. And, yeah, I mean... The whole shoveling thing was a little psychotic. I can't that's agree with her far. on that one. You know, but, but I'll give it to her. It's good exercise. I can understand that, too. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to work with her. She's been great.
2: Well, especially in Ottawa. Like, you guys get
4: some big snow dumps up there in Ottawa. <laughs> like, that's... Listen, so I go to Toronto. For I know there's a lot of Mark the Thought haters out there, or maybe maybe I'm overplaying that. But I know I'm from Ottawa. I'm very critical. But I'm always in Toronto, right, because I'm doing work, doing a lot of junior coverage as well. And, I can never get over how much more mild it is there. You guys have no idea how good you have it until you come back to Ottawa. And, I mean, the snow and the precipitation, it is wild. So I don't get it. We're only four hours apart, but uh, significant change in weather. I realize this is in the Weather Channel, by the way, so I can, I'll cut it at that.
1: <laughs> it is interesting. <laughs> it is.
2: I, I really, quick, quick, quick one for you here before we let sure. you go. Are you, were you a wrestling guy at all growing up?
4: I was. I was Attitude Era, which I don't think you could get away with anymore on television. So, no, um, you, you my, definitely can't. <laughs> yeah, but you got, can't, but
2: I I was, yeah. We got the Royal Rumble coming up this weekend. If you put all of the Maple Leafs roster and all of the Senators roster in one ring, who do you think comes up victorious as a Royal <laughs> oh, Come Rumble winner?
4: on. It's, it's, listen, and this is I know I realize I'm biased, but this is Ottawa. I mean, they're way more physical. So, some of the big bodies on, on that team. I mean, I'm sure it would be close. I'm sure there would be surprises. But I'd have to go with Brady Kachuk and the Ottawa Senators for sure. Yeah, I think it would I, just I be Mark Giordano
1: one. standing there tarpless with like a luchador mask on. He would take the win. It'd be him. <laughs> and, and, Gio,
4: and Gio's, Gio's tough. So I'll old
1: man that strength? For sure.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. The old man strength. I think it would be like Geo. Yeah, like that might be the final two there. Gio and Brady <laughs> Kachuk. And then, you know, he just got that unicorn Kachuk just going to toss the old man over the over the ropes there. <laughs> I would love sure to is. watch something like that. Like, screw the All-Star Skills game. Give me a an NHL-style battle royale in a ring. That would just yeah, be... Yeah, but like, logi- oh.
4: logistics and waivers needing to be signed, I don't know. There's a lot of liability problems going <laughs> on there, probably.
2: Probably. Probably. Uh, appreciate it, as always, Mark. We'll chat again down the road. Enjoy the game tonight. Yeah. Thanks for having me, too. All right. There he goes. Mark Mathot, former NHL defenseman in Sens. Analysts, we got the Sens in town taking on the Maple Leafs tonight. Matt Murray, a revenge game perhaps against his former team. No, Austin Matthews tonight out for three weeks. If you're just joining us, a bit of a an issue with the knee, a knee sprain that he sustained in the game against the New York Rangers. So tonight, I guess is is life after Matthews for the next few weeks. In this game, so life uh, after
1: Matthews—that's the well, saddest thing I've know. ever heard. <laughs> yeah it It is. It is you're right. Weeks, you're right. Three weeks. No, no Austin. Austin. No Austin yeah. Matthews rips for three weeks. Like it's like we're going to be living in the Sahara Desert without an Austin Matthews goal, but we'll survive. We'll survive. Austin. William Nylander has been picking up the slack in this in this whole season, so what, hopefully he'll be on a tear. Like
2: on a bigger picture, what's you know unfortunate about that situation is like Matthews is finally just starting to heat up. Like oh yeah, he, that's. He's, and and now he's out for a little yeah. bit. And, you know, I think that probably does it. I didn't think he was going to be involved in the rocket race, but I would think that this injury definitely puts him uh, on the outside looking in by, you know, season's end now. it's That's six games. That'll be tough to make up. Yeah. Uh, all right. Puck picks with myself coming up on the other side. We'll get back into tonight's game. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You're using Lunch here on TSN 1050.
0: This is Leafs Lunch on TSN
3: 1050.
0: The Leafs live here. When I I never
4: could. I know
1: that I Welcome back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Sherry and Mike DiStefano with you for the next few moments here. Austin Matthews will not be in the Leafs lineup tonight, and that's because we got the news this morning, if you're just joining us, that he'll be out for a minimum, emphasis on the word minimum, three weeks with a knee sprain that he apparently sustained in that Rangers game on Tuesday night. So a tragedy that we won't see him versus the Ottawa Senators tonight. Pontius Holmberg, though, is getting a look at... uh, the second line center position, which is a huge upgrade for a guy that started the season with the Toronto Marlies, A. B.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He's getting a, 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 it's a big opportunity. I think Shelly Keith alluded to it today at practice. How you know he's a guy that's that's shown that he's played well so far since coming up for the Marlies, and here's an opportunity he can try and and take it. Um, I don't know how comfortable I would feel with Holmberg as like the team's long-term two C, but no. giving him the opportunity, to see how it works out. Yeah, we talked about so it yesterday.
1: Far. Like how important it is to try things at this point in the year when they have yeah. some flexibility to try things. They know where they're locked in. Like I, I think this is a great time if you're going to try something like that at this point in the season. Let's see. Let's see what old Ponty's gotten him at the two C position. Yeah, Plenty.
2: Murdog getting back in after ten games <laughs> off or ten days off rather. So we'll see what Matt Murray can do. And with that, let's get to the puck picks.
0: It's time for puck picks with Professor Al's brother. Back to school. Back to school. Jackpot. Yeah,
2: I- All right. The number's going down on FanDuel, actually. If you look at last night, I was taking a peek at the money line. It seems like some money's coming in on the Sens, because it was 2.40. Now it's down to 2.04 uh, in favor of the Maple Leafs. So I'm going to stay away from the total, because the Sens always give Toronto a tough time. But I do like the over in tonight's game. Like I said, Matt Murray getting in here. He hasn't played in 10 days. Maybe he's a little rusty. And I think Toronto, despite not having Austin Matthews, that defensive in... in Ottawa is just atrocious. They should be able to put pucks uh, in the back of the net. So I like over 6.5 goals tonight, paying plus 22 at plus 104. Nylander, anytime goal, paying plus 140. And I like Brady Kachuk. The guy's a unicorn. Four plus shots on net tonight. He's going to – it's a battle of Ontario. The guy lives for these types of moments. He's just like his brother, right? They live for these big moments. I think that he shows up. Four-plus shots uh, for the Ottawa Senators and, and for Brady Kachuk. Those are the three plays I like tonight, which you can uh, make them all on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.
1: Nice, 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 A-B. And in the, in the reverse retros. No, they're not reverse retros. They're flip sides. Somebody Is that what they're called, the flip now. sides? I believe sure. so. I believe they're the flip side Justin Bieber jerseys. So yeah. will see those tonight, too. Gotta uh, love it.
2: Gotta love it. Good luck to uh, to the Maple Leafs, I suppose. Fun week. Leafs launch was brought to you by Vanilla Visa Prepaid Cards. Available for, for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion, and for your chance to win on one hundred dollar Vanilla Visa Prepaid Card, text the keyword lunch and your name to ten fifty fifty. Standard text message rates apply. Game number nine ninety nine for John Tavares tonight against the Senators. Game one thousand Sunday afternoon against the Washington Capitals. Julia, you and I will be back on Monday to break down those games. Uh, Until then, Matty Kotz coming up next on Gameplay.